excited to introduce you to some incredible, incredible people. My name is Trey Gouch. I'm the student pastor at First Baptist Matthews, or for what you're familiar with, with Vessel Youth. And I want to introduce you to everybody. So Harper, do you want to kick us off and let's go around and just tell us your name and tell us the cheesiest movie line that you know. Oh, wow. Well, I'm, I'm Harper Hicks. Uh, my wife, Emily, and I have been married. It'll be four years this spring, uh, and we are expecting our first child in August of this year. And um, I cannot think of a cheesiest movie line, so maybe come back to me. All right. <laughs> well, I'm Dania Jordan. I um, have been coming to First Baptist Matthews. <clears throat> Valentine's Day, I joined Valentine's Day 2016. I'm not yet married. And the cheesiest movie line I can think of is from Jerry Maguire, you complete me because <laughs> no person completes us, Jesus Christ completes us. That's so true. Hey, I'm David Ingracia, my, uh, I'm a pastor. My wife, uh, Gina and I have been married for 35 years. Uh, currently serve at Charlotte Wake cheesiest movie line i'm so old it has to go back to the silent movie so that was it <laughs> hey guys my name's maya i currently am an intern at elevation church and i am dating some of you might know uh brandon garland he spoke at vessel youth i think a couple times now um but the cheesiest movie line i can think of is not necessarily one line it's probably literally anything from the notebook like pick any line out of there and it'll be cheesy so let's go harvard did you think of a cheesy movie line no i really didn't i should have i i thought of like from the office bears beats battlestar galactica but i don't have any cheesy movie, cheesy movie lines i gotta step up my game trey well hey let's uh jump into some questions so i have a question is what is your number one piece of advice when it comes to dating and uh, what would you say the purpose of, of dating is? David, would you like to take a hit at that? Yeah, sure would. Um, I've had a lot of years to think about this actually. We piloted five children into adulthood. So it wasn't just our own dating, but the dating of our, of our kids. And I've come to realize that dating is just sort of a, a walk together to find intimacy with Jesus, but mm -hmm. it's just not the same as marriage. So you're, you're walking together to come to know the Lord, to see if it would be a lifelong work. Um, and maybe just doing it by a quick story would help. Um, my second daughter, the month before she got married, she came back into town and she says, Dad, can we have one of these father-daughter uh, lunches again? Which I used to date my children, especially my daughters. I have three daughters. So I wanted to set the bar, like, the bar like, really, really high. So I figured she's coming and she's going to ask me some sort of key wisdom of what it means to now go from dating to marriage and so we went out to a nice restaurant we sat down she sat at her place and she says dad there's no easy way to ask this so i'm just going to ask it and i went uh-oh did you and mom sleep together before you got married and i went if i had known that my daughter 23 years later from my marriage was going to ask me that question i don't think i would have dated her mother but, you know, what I was able to tell her, you know, by God's grace is actually, no, we didn't. But had we done that, it would have been a, a story about, you know, God's grace. Now, the same girl, when she got married a few months later, we were sitting there at the wedding and 
I didn't perform the wedding of this daughter. So her mother and I are sitting there, we're watching. The pastor is about to pronounce the man and wife, does pronounce the man and wife, and it's about to say, you may now kiss your bride. My son-in-law is a youth pastor. So the whole youth group was there. Pastor stopped the ceremony. And he said, now, no one knows this, but I want you to know that when Craig and Caroline kiss each other now for their first kiss, this is the first time they've ever kissed each other. And I looked at her mother and I said, I didn't tell her to do that. Did you do that? Did you know that? Did, did you put down any legal restrictions? I didn't know anything. Gina said, I don't know either. And I realized at that point that what we had put into our, the hearts of our children, again, by God's grace, was that dating for them was finding someone that they could know together, um, know the Lord together. And I can't say that without at the same time saying, we don't live in that kind of culture. And many times, those times, we feel they're already gone. But that's the good thing about God's grace is that, you, you know, with God's grace, you always get another chance. And it's not the end. Right. But the preciousness of that intimacy is what dating is leading towards. Mm. That's good. Um, I just have a question. What, someone want to take a, a stab at this. What's your number? Or if you could go back to middle school or high school, what would you, what would you tell yourself? I'll take that one. Um, I would say not to be surprised by the peer pressure, um, to stay confident, knowing that you're set apart and that um, our biblical values and morals aren't going to go with the crowd. Um, to be a leader, to be the thermostat versus the thermometer, to okay. set, set that temperature, to set the tone um, it's okay not to be in the majority, mm -hmm. um, to, to know that people are watching whatever we do. I mean, that was in, in high school. Um, and being cool is a relative term. I mean, I thought our, our group of youth, youth group, I was in a strong, awesome youth group like Vessel, um, at a Baptist church in Charleston, South Carolina. And I thought we were cool. The, Partiers thought they were cool. You know, we all, uh, cool is a relative term. But just like y'all, like I said, I was blessed with um, a strong youth group. And I accepted Jesus at 13 years old at White Oak Church Camp right down the road from us. Um, I remember at that youth camp that um, summer that I accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. I remember there was this beautiful lady who did a breakout session on purity and she gave her testimony and she talked about how she um, loved this guy in high school or, or thought she did. It was puppy love, but it was, it was love to the puppy. And she um, slept with him and got pregnant. And she gave excruciating details of that, um, of having an abortion. And she challenged us at that breakout session at White Oak um, at 13, when I was 13 years old for us to, um, make a vow of purity for marriage. And I remember at that moment, I made a vow with the Lord that I would save myself for marriage. Um, not a lot of guys like that. Um, and so the Lord made, um, Self-control, one of the nine fruit of the spirit for a reason, because it is not out of our flesh. It is out straight from the Holy Spirit to be able to have that self-control. It doesn't diminish the passion 
by any means. It, it is just truly from the Lord, that self-control and total dependence on the Lord. Mm. That's good. So good. So Harper, I got a question for you. Why is it important to date someone that compliments you rather than dating somebody hoping that you can change them? Mm. That's a good question. That's a hard question. And, and, um, you know, back when Emily and I were dating, we met in high school and she was the first person I ever seriously dated. And I don't know back, back when we were dating, if I would have known what all of that meant or understood why it was important. Um, you know, I, I think one, one thing that marriage does for you in the last four years is it really points out what a lot of your weaknesses are. And you really learn if you didn't think you had character flaws before your spouse will uh, help you learn what those are. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think I've realized over the last four years is that my spouse compliments me in a way, uh, not just that we, I don't know, not just that we in each other and we like the same things. I don't know that that's what's super important because we enjoy, um, we enjoy similar activities. I don't think that's what's important, but she compliments me in a way in, in the areas of my life and my character where I'm weakest. Mm. I think the Lord uh, divinely did this, but, but he has allowed her to be strong in those areas, not just, um, and it's, it's a natural strength. Her personality compliments it's mine. I tend to be more outgoing and I tend to be a talker. Uh, and people who are outgoing and talkers tend to not be great listeners. My wife is a fantastic listener. And so over the last four years, I think part of her complimenting me is helping me to be aware of listening more. And I think part of my complimenting her is helping her to get out to communicate, to be, to want to engage in community more. And so um, I think that's one area that we complement each other and it's not necessarily something you think about when you're dating um, I think it's okay to be different I think it's okay there? I think he froze yeah, I think he did freeze that's funny well we'll wait until he comes back on Maya I'm going to throw a question at you what have you learned I know you said that you're in a relationship right now so what have you learned about healthy boundaries in the dating process and, and what did those look like compared to unhealthy boundaries? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's funny because I don't think we like to talk about boundaries a lot. I think we, we like to kind of highlight like the fun aspects of dating or what we like about dating, but we don't like to talk about boundaries and what's, I think it's important because it's, it's setting ourselves up for success because if, if we're, you know, trying to find someone or we're dating someone who have, has similar goals as us. And if we both want to journey on this dating process together towards Jesus and, and then the goal is marriage, it's important to have those boundaries. Um, because I think it's something that, Trey, I think you actually said it to Brandon and Brandon said it to me, but I think it originally came from you that dating is for clarity and marriage is for intimacy. And so I think it's really really important to have that clarity and you need boundaries to have that clarity or the lines just get blurred. Um, Andy Stanley 
uses a brilliant example of um, what he calls guardrails, like those rails on the side of the freeway, and it's to keep your car from going to the ditch. And so I feel like we need those guardrails, but in our heart and in our um, physicality when it comes to dating, because the, the word says guard your heart above all else. And I think it's really important that you use those boundaries to do that. And, and what I think that looks like in compared to unhealthy boundaries or no boundaries at all is one of the key differences I think is fruitful, fruitful relationships. Because the one thing about having no boundaries or crossing that line or falling into bad habits is that it starts to bleed over into other areas of life. And you're not just hurting yourself or hurting the other person. I think so often it's not just the pain between the two, but it ends up being maybe lying to your parents or maybe sneaking out or maybe it starts to bleed over into doing things that you know you're not supposed to be doing even outside of that one relationship. So I think the difference between healthy and unhealthy boundaries is the community that surrounds you will be fruitful or you'll notice that maybe you start to isolate yourself or yourself from the other person because of maybe shame or guilt in what you're doing. And so I just think it's important to set yourself up for success and get someone in your life who can speak life into you and the other person and help you set up those boundaries. That's good. So this is kind of switching things. I know that a lot of times in dating process, people talk about communication, how that's such a mm -hmm. key when it comes to relationships. Yeah. What have you learned about communicating while dating? And why is communicating important when you date? Yeah, I, I love this question so much, and I'm so glad that I get to answer it because me and Brandon dated long distance for a year before I moved to Charlotte in January, and so communication was literally all we could do. Like, we couldn't just sit there in each other's presence and, like, read a book. Like, literally the only thing we could do is talk on the phone or FaceTime, and so we learned a lot about communicating, and I think um, the importance is so is so big, and I think it's, it's such a vague topic to just explain how important it is. And so I'm just going to go into detail about like little things that, that you should really key in on. And I think one of those things is confronting the little things. Um, I think so often before having a big, maybe conflict or argument, it's just these little things that start piling up and piling up until you just are like, I can't have it anymore. Like I can't take it. And so I think it's just being okay with, with conflict and conflict's not a bad thing. It means you're helping the other person grow if you have their best interests at heart. And so I think it's important to communicate about all things, not just really fun, great things about yourself, but also the things that, what are your goals? Like, what do you want to do in the future? It might be, it might feel weird to start talking about long-term goals in marriage while you're still maybe in the early stages of dating. But as Christians, I think that's really important because that's the whole point of why we're dating, even though that might sound intense or might sound really deep, at the end of the day, that's the whole point. And so I think it's important to communicate about what you want out of life and what your goals are as well. Um, it's, it's important to do that while you're dating before you might find yourself in a more serious situation and you're like, oh shoot, I wish I would have communicated this beforehand. Yeah, it'd be so easy to like ignore communicating and think just because you have a 250 day snap streak that y'all are automatically right. in love. But a snap streak means absolutely nothing because a lot of times a snap streak is just you taking a picture of the floor. Like right. it's, okay. it's not actually pure communicating. Anyways, right. so yeah, I got a question for you. So I know earlier you mentioned just about your sing your season and how you're waiting for God's God to bring your husband. 
on your path. And so I was just wondering, what is one important thing that God has shown you about yourself and your relationship and in your season that you're in? Mm, that's a good question. Um, for years, uh, there was this, um, this discontent. And finally, it was on, on Valentine's Day a couple of years or several years ago that um, the Lord brought me peace. And that verse in Philippians um, four that says um, it, he brings contentment in all circumstances. And mm -hmm. anytime I see the word all in my Bible, I circle it because in any translation, all means all. Um, yep. There's also a verse in Revelation two, four that uh, when, when um, the Jesus was addressing the church in Ephesus and uh, Ephesians two, four, where he says, but I have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first or your first love. And I feel like I almost suffered from idolatry of my future husband, knowing that that heart's desire for a godly husband is still there. It hasn't gone away. Um, but the, but just to re realize that the Lord completes me, that he is my first love and yeah. he brought me contentment. So it was that, um, Valentine's day. And I have this on my blog, um, that I wrote in my prayer journal, um, uh, that I, I, uh, published that is just me writing a letter basically to my first love to say, um, forgive me for uh, idolizing my future husband, knowing that that desire is still there. That, and I said, I, um, Holy spirit, I want to be content in my singleness. Help me. I am yours. You are mine. And I am at peace. So even when I have my girl weekend, um, with 12 of us every April, they're all 11 married to wonderful men. I'm the only single one out of all these years from college. That's, um, still, I am excited for them. I'm not jealous anymore. I'm not envious because the Lord has me on a, a different, in a different lane than them. They're, like I said, married to amazing men. And, uh, but I had to get through that, um, to, to know that, um, God is using me in my singleness. I have freedom that isn't necessarily there with a married couple. And, um, but again, I have begged for the Lord to take that desire away if it's of him, but it's still there. So Lord use me in my singleness until he, his plans change for me. Mm. That's awesome. That's a hard, that's a hard mindset to have. It's difficult. Like you're saying, get into that, that journey of being content, even if it's a season that, Personally, you might be like, oh, I just wish I was in something different. But, Harper, um, I got a question for you. What's one of the greatest challenges and victories that you've experienced as a, a newlywed? That's a good question. I think it goes. Um, I think it goes back to one of the questions um, answered earlier, just about communication. A Emily and I. I shared this. Emily and I are very different. Um, if she likes red, I like blue. If she wants to go to McDonald's, I want to go to Wendy's. If she wants a night in, I want a night out or vice versa. Um, and I think a challenge for us early on was learning how to communicate, learning that some of the difference that we might have made out to be a big deal. In reality, we're not that big of a deal. Um, I think it goes back to you want to marry somebody who compliments you, but what does that actually mean? I think it's important that you have similar values. And so in us learning to communicate over the last few, last four years, um, I think we've had to focus more on the things that we have in common. What are kind of the core foundational elements of our relationship um, that are most important to us? Um, 
And so it's a challenge that we've totally conquered yet, but it's a work in progress. But I think both of us are at a place where we begin to appreciate the differences in each other. We begin to appreciate the challenge of communication. And, um, and the Lord continues to humble each of us in, in kind of that process. Um, but I think when you begin to see your spouse, not as somebody um, who is just there to make you happy, um, not as somebody who is just there to complete you, but as somebody who is a partner in serving the Lord, honoring the Lord in your relationship, and somebody who is a partner in sanctification. Sanctification, becoming like Christ, is hard. And the greatest privilege of my life is that I don't have to do it alone. I get to do that with my spouse, and it's not always easy, but I have the unique honor of doing it with somebody who I love and I'm committed to. And so I would say that the greatest victory we've experienced is that after four years, we continue to be together. And uh, we may not always like each other, but I think the Lord has started to grow a love that shows that we're committed to each other. And regardless of what you face, I think it's that commitment and that commonality in the Lord that's the largest victory. Yeah, and I want to feed off of that, Dave. I want to ask you a question because I feel like a lot of times in our culture and the way how culture feeds us is you can have it your way. And basically what I mean by that is if something isn't working out the way you want it to, you can have it your way. Just back out. But that's not that's not reality, especially in marriage. Because if, if you are having a difficult problem or something like that, you are in a covenant because marriage is a covenant between you, your spouse, and God. And that's something that you have to fight for. You can't just quit or give up on or go on Tinder and go find another matchmate to help your feelings, um, like recover from all that stuff. So David, a question for you is how has God continued to strengthen and grow your marriage after 20 plus years? Yeah, 35 years, actually. It's, um, I can tell you that I'm encouraged by what I'm listening to. Um, you continue to have tension through all those years. You just fight over different. And you there, David? All right. All right. Well, we'll wait until David gets back on. So until David comes back on, is there anything that any of you guys want to add that might be on your heart? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one thing for me is that when I, when I contemplated dating or relationships in general, I always thought that maybe one area um, or one person, personality aspect would be really good, but the other one I might have to kind of settle, settle with or it's, it's everything I want in this category, but like not really there in the other category, but like, that's okay. It evens out. It's fine. But I think I learned that when you're just obedient to God and following God, um, he'll bring someone along, um, that is, is everything at every capacity. And I thought I would have to settle for at least in one area or category, but God comes to bring life abundantly. And so that includes our relationships and romantic relationships. So I think just one thing that's on my heart is there is a person who, who meets every standard or everything that you've asked God for. There is. So just don't settle for something that you think is what you deserve. Because if we operated in a system of get what we deserve, we would not be where we are right now because we operate with grace, God's grace and not karma. And so I just think don't settle even in one area because God will bring someone along that's, that's everything and then some. Yeah. That's great. Exactly. I, I echo what Maya said in, in 
just knowing that you are worthy. You yeah. are worth God's best. I am worth God's best. Um, and when we think about uh, Tinder and Bumble and all of these um, dating dating sites, that um, they're, they're, the number one thing is that they love the Lord. I mean, I pray for a man to love Jesus more than me. Yeah, um, that's my prayer, and not for me to drag him along or to drag him to church or. You know, I want him to, to, I pray for, um, a man who will lead me, um, yes. and who loves, again, loves the Lord more than, more than me. And those things, like Maya said, I do believe, I believe with all my heart that, um, that he will exceed our expectations. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, more than we can ever think or imagine, um, more than any list that we, uh, may have had conjured up in our mind. Um, the Lord loves to surprise us the lord so that's been that's been my um prayer to his lord surprise me so good yeah. David. apparently i froze i'm sorry yeah hey you're good you'll pick up your train of thought earlier when we're talking about your 35 years in marriage and how god has continued to strengthen and grow you guys yeah, what i'm saying is the conflict never stops you just fight over different things and it becomes less important as you go but there is definitely something that happens over the years uh, especially in Christ, because that intimacy deepens, that love deepens. And again, best by illustration, I remember when the doors opened and I looked at my wife in her wedding dress for the very first time, and my whole life was freeze-framed at that. And it was the most beautiful woman I had ever seen in my life was there just for me. Now, 35 years later, the door opens and I see her, and believe it or not, I look at her with the same eyes. It doesn't matter if it's 35 years later. Both of our bodies have changed. Both of our minds have changed. One of the blessings is our eyes go bad, but not on the inside. On the inside, the reason why I see her the same way is because the hearts have deepened in intimacy. It's really good. And yeah, there's conflicts, but when the other person, um, when you love the other person, when the other person becomes the precious gift that God has given to you, there is something that happens that just, deepens beyond the conflict. And as long as we're in this world, as long as we have sin, as long as we're selfish, there's going to be conflict. But at the heart of it is that covenant that you mentioned. Yeah. We chose each other before God. And many times you just hang on to that choice, but we've never dragged ourselves through marriage saying, oh, I wish I hadn't made that choice. Maybe in the moment, but by far the bigger, the bigger issues are no, we chose to love each other and we actually do. And it grows. That's an encouraging thing because people look at us saying, man, 35 years, how'd you ever do it? And it's like, why? Well, we're dinosaurs at this point. It's like, well, who's married 35 years? I introduced Gina as my first wife. And I go in and I say, hey, this is my first wife. People look at me like, it's my first wife. And I'm proud of that and of her. That's incredible. But hey, does anyone else want to add anything else before we... we close this video the only thing i'd say trey uh it's something that actually you taught me or being around you and claire's taught me um you know emily and i've had the privilege of, of being really good close friends with you all and, and traveling and spending time and just hanging out with you all and i think one of the things that you've taught me or challenged me to i don't know that i've learned it well yet is just that marriage truly is about serving your spouse 
Um, I think it's easy in the dating phase, and I was guilty of this, even with the person I married, of wanting to be around her, wanting to do stuff with her that made me feel good. I wanted to be with her because I felt special or I felt loved or I felt on cloud nine. Um, but I think if you can, when you're in that phase, try to have the perspective of how can I serve this person? How can I help this person? Whether that's helping them be a better them, helping them come closer to the Lord. Um, I think Trey, that you are a perfect example of when you are around Claire, you lead her very gently. Um, you are very careful with her. You are very loving and kind towards her. And I think that's something that anyone in a relationship um, should want to copy or should want to reflect or should want to mirror. It's not always easy um, to be that way with your spouse because when you spend a lot of time with someone, you get to know their flaws and their weaknesses. Mm -hmm. um, but I think appreciating those and realizing that when you're in a covenant relationship, your job is to care for those things, not to take advantage of those weaknesses. Um, I think that's just a work that, that Christ does in each of us. Um, and so I've seen you, you kind of challenge me in that area just by how you live your life out as a husband. Well, thank you guys so much for your time and for um, leading us and giving us the y'all's wisdom when it comes to dating and how dating and marriage go hand in hand, essentially. And I'm just really, I'm really thankful for that. Maya, would you be cool just praying for everybody who is tuning in by listening or watching this video? Absolutely. I'd love that. Dear God, we just thank you for all the relationships in our lives, whether that's friendships or dating relationships. We just thank you that you have called us to such a time as this and that we're able to pull from your word examples on how to love others well. And I just pray that everyone listening, that their ears and hearts be open to receive whatever you're trying to say through us, God. And I just thank you that they can take something away from this, whether that's how to love their friend a bit better, or if that's how to maybe manage conflict in the relationship a bit better. I just pray that there's an aspect that they can take, it, take away and apply in their lives. Father, you're so good to us, and you've given us a perfect example of what love is. And I just thank you that we get to try to become more like you every single day. It's an honor to serve you, Father. And we just pray all of this in your good son's name. What's up, guys? So we have the panel with us still, and they are going to jump in, and they're going to talk about the coronavirus. I know that a lot of you guys right now might be stuck and trapped at home. Maybe you haven't been in school for two weeks. Maybe you haven't even been out to Chick-fil-A in three weeks. I don't know. But something I'm realizing is that God is so intentional with everything that happens in life. He doesn't waste anything. Now, I'm not saying that God's plan is to do X, Y, or Z. I'm just, I'm just saying that God has a purpose and a plan for every single thing that happens here on this earth. And so I just want to open this up and allow these amazing people to maybe give you a word of encouragement. And during this time, that can be really stressful. It can be a time of unknown. It can also be a time full of fear. And it can be a time full of worry. And so I just want you to be able to sit back and watch or listen to what some of these amazing people have to say just to encourage you in terms of the coronavirus. Yeah, well, I would say, Trey, that even I, I don't want to say I'm fearful or anxious, but there's just a reality that is more sort of in my face about um, the risks and what could happen. And what I love is that we serve a God who gives us hope and peace 
And so we're actually set up and in a perfect position to be a light in the world. And although we might not have all the answers as humans, we know a God who does. And so we can go out and try to be the best peacemakers and love bringers that we can be because that's what we have inside of us. Um, on that same vein, I think it is really, really important to still be cautious and abide by what the government is saying because we're also called to abide under what under our leadership. And so I think it is um, good to be wise as well, just because we shouldn't have fear because we, we serve a God who doesn't give us fear. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't abide by the precautions being set in front of us. I think um, the risk and the reality of it um, is right there. And so I think just be cautious, be safe, wash your hands, but know that uh, God doesn't bring fear. And so you don't have to carry that. Maya, the, the fear point is, is very well made. I live with the, the, the threat of coronavirus every single day of my life because I have an autoimmune system disease. I'm one of the high risk people. It's literally true that at any point in my life, I could become sick on Thursday from anything and be home with Jesus on Sunday. Wow. And what it does is it shortens my tether to eternity. And it causes me to live by a totally different kind of faith, knowing that my body cannot fight with yours as coronavirus or just the flu. I'm the guy that, you know, just can't fight it. But what I've learned over the, the years is that faith is, um, uh, is the key and that fear is sort of like kryptonite to faith. And a lot of times the devil will use that fear so that we don't trust. But God allows just enough of that fear to build the faith. And we really, in many ways, if you think about it, we should be living life every single day as if tomorrow is, is the end of this life on earth. Just, we don't normally do that physically. I look at it and I say, well, this is a gift that God has given to me over the last um, number of years because it forces me to confront that fear every single day. Mm -hmm. and the only way to do that is in, in Jesus. Wow, so good. I think about... Um what Maya said and, and David abiding by what we've been told under their authority and leadership. And it's giving us such a gift to be with family um, in small spaces to slow down. Um, the, the enemy loves to have us be distracted and have us be busy. He's crafty. He's not creative, but he's crafty. Um, so we can slow down. We can um, spend more time, unrushed time in God's word. We can laugh with each other. We can play board games and have meals around the dinner table and pray together as a family. Um, and I also think about washing our hands and washing each other's feet. Mm. And may we um, be bright lights for Jesus, even if we're in um, behind our doors or in the neighborhood serving um, or I had a, in my neighborhood app, someone saying, I can't find any toilet paper. And I thought, should I just go take them some toilet paper? I mean, there, there are ways that the Lord's going to use this. So may we continue to be bright lights for Jesus, wash our hands and wash each other's feet. I think this provides a really easy opportunity um, to be the hands and feet of Christ. We have an elderly neighbor, a couple doors down um, writing a simple note, if you have one in your neighborhood, writing a simple note and saying, listen, uh, we're thinking about you and praying for you during this time. If we can get you some groceries, if we can go out and okay. you know, 
pick some things up from the store. It's not hard to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Sometimes we just get done with our day and we think, I don't want to have to walk over there. I don't want to have to get up from what I'm doing, watching Netflix or relaxing. Um, There's some really easy, practical ways that we can serve the people right around us, that we can actually be good neighbors um, to the people that live closest to us. And it's easy to think, well, they don't really know me well, or these are really my parents' neighbors. They're not technically my neighbors. Um, but I think at the end of the day, we're just called to be good neighbors and love the people around us. And uh, if, as, belie- if as, as believers, we can't do this, if we can't be different, um, you know, I, I think this is just a great opportunity. So good. Any, anybody want to add anything else? Sweet. Well, I think that this is a really, really strategic time uh, for us. And we can either be engaged with what's happening or we can disengage ourselves. I believe that this is a time where God is calling us as followers of Jesus to dwell with him and to listen carefully. Something mm-hmm. I've noticed about God is he's a God who is constantly trying to get our attention and talk to us. But so often we are distracted. And we do not hear God's voice because we are blocking other things out. So I believe that each and every one of us has a really great opportunity to press into the Lord like never before. I think something you'll realize is while you press into the Lord that you're going to discover that there's a fulfillment that comes when you press into God more so than press and play on YouTube or another TikTok video or even Disney+. Plus. You're going to realize with Disney Plus, YouTube, and TikTok that it's not going to fulfill you the way that if you were to press into the Lord. Now, some of you guys might be listening or watching this right now, and you're thinking, why in the world would I ever get into the Bible? Why would I ever follow Jesus? Mm-hmm. The reason why I get in the Word and I follow Jesus is because Jesus has drastically changed my life. He's given me purpose. He's given me hope. And he's given me joy. Yeah. These are all promises of his, and they're so true that we get to experience as believers. So maybe you are watching this video and you're thinking, I need to have a relationship with Jesus. If so, the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Lord, you will be saved. And we know that in John 3, 16, that God loved you so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for you. He died on the cross, not to make you as a good person better, but he made to, to rescue you from sin, which the result of sin is death. So he, made, he came here, Jesus came here to rescue you from death. He came to make dead people alive. Listen, God wants what's best for you. He wants to give you what's best for you. He knows that having a relationship with him is what's best for you. In fact, he fought and he worked for it. How do you do that? He did that through sending Jesus down to earth for you. And then God the Father sent his son, Jesus, down to earth. And after he died on the cross, rose again three days later, defeating death, he then promises us that when we believe and confess as Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. And that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is now living inside of you. That same spirit is the spirit that is leading you to love people the way that are hard to love. That same spirit is giving you the understanding of God's word in a way that you couldn't ever understand before. So this is a beautiful 